coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it bad cause I'm brown. And not the other color, so police think they have the authority to kill a minority. Fuck that shit cause I ain't the one for a punk motherfucker with a badge and a gun to be beaten on. And thrown in jail, we can go toe to toe in the middle of a cell. Hello, all you cool cats and kittens. Shout out to Carol Baskin. This is the self-appointed scummiest show on the internet, the Flintlock Faction. If you are noticing a change in audio, it's because I decided to stop being lazy and put in a microphone. Uh, so you're hearing uh, you're hearing some some changes. Anyways, I'm joined with the fabulous Miss Buckles. <laughs> Hi. So, as always with new guests, uh, I'd like to start with Anarchist Anonymous. Uh, she'll go ahead and tell you our, or tell you her story. Pardon me. Uh, hi, I'm Miss Buckles, and I've been a grizzled anarchist since 2001. Holy shit. <laughs> so, long time anarchist. <laughs> and uh, that actually started in high school, um, just seeing how the good old boys and the political game was played in sports and like that and um, continued to learn throughout my, you know, the system's pretty much rigged against us. And, you know, the more research I did and stuff, I just, I kind of went into a defeatist mode in terms of like, I understood that we had this giant system that I wasn't going to topple all by my little self. And so I just trying to find ways to operate within our system that, you know, didn't disagree with my and things like that. And um, that's part of why I went into counseling and stuff like that so that I could help people. Um, so in terms of like where I'm at now in the Liberty Anarchist community, I had a, I co-direct a nonprofit for kids and I had gotten on to Instagram to start an account for that. And I had my personal account that I had started like years and years ago that I never touched because I was a total snob and was like, social media is the devil. And I decided to kind of just hop on and use it a little bit more because I had never. And it was much more like user friendly than, you know, Boomer Facebook. So I was enjoying it. And then I had just kind of stumbled on a couple Liberty pages and then, you know, like heard of the Boogaloo meme and just kind of rabbit holed into all that. And then, you know meme page shit poster and liberty lady i guess so podcaster extraordinaire the boogaloo definitely brought me in as well um i mean uh everyone who in in my small circle knows that uh prison definitely radicalized me um yeah but definitely didn't start hearing about the liberty movement until boogaloo sort of came up and kind of brought me in and like normally like uh every budding anarchist or liberty-minded person, for that matter. Um, you know, we all start out really angry and start out, uh, you know, hey, yeah. let's let's fuck some shit up. Like, I've been lied to my whole life. Yeah. I mean, I was a drone of the state for so long, so I was really pissed that I got duped. And uh, I was like, yep. let's, let's fuck some shit up. And then uh, after reading and kind of um, self-teaching and, and, and whatnot, uh, you get you get the product of what you see today, but you uh, have foregoed. I don't know if that's the right word, but what whatever you've uh, bypassed all of that, and you you uh, were somewhat raised as an uh, a liberty minded individual, weren't you? 
Yeah, I I always say I'm not a recovering statist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's accurate. That's super accurate. Yeah, I was I've always been pretty bitter so my entire adult life. <laughs> so but I've learned to, you know, function well in it. And like me and the guys on the um email list, we've discussed this before. It's like realize where you're at and you know, you either decide even just to become a libertarian or you become a minarchist or whatever. You there's it's almost like stages of grief. You start out really angry and then you do kind of feel defeated and then like you know, eventually you kind of just become like me and you realize what you can and keep within and try to find ways you can help. And, you know, I'm definitely big on promoting like the small community level changes because that's the best way to go about it than like these big, because we do have so many are born, raised and brainwashed into the system to think it works and they're hard to fight against. Right. Um, anything else to add? I mean, where, uh, where, where you're at now, you're with the e-militia now. Um, mm -hmm. how is it? How is it with them? Yeah, I'm their stepmom. <laughs> oh my, okay. We miss Empress of Meme, but I'm in touch and a little bit of some, uh, discipline. So <laughs> okay. I'm the cool stepmom now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to hear. Yeah. So, yeah. Move, so, uh, We're good boys. So, so moving on, um, I brought you on the show because uh, we have something in common now. Uh, I'm out of prison. You were in prison or now out of prison. Do you want to tell your story? Sure. Um, I actually had started, we, um, I live in Arizona, and then we have a few private prisons here. And um, the one local to me, I was finishing uh, one of my degrees, and I needed to do in internship you know it's paid internship but that I had two options I had the domestic violence shelter or the prison and I chose the prison and um correctional officer and my job was to do like drug counseling um life skills basically like teach guys how to behave on the outside and I did that really well and I got in trouble for it <laughs> how so um, so when it came to like the life skills classes, you know, a lot of these guys didn't, you know, have any like proper relations or had real jobs, you know, anything like that. And so you like, you teach them those things, but then the biggest one was employment because my, literally my job description was to help them succeed and to reduce recidivism within the prison system. And I f went out of my way on my personal time outside of the prison to find resources, find information to help these guys get jobs, you know, to help them succeed once they did get out. And of course there's companies that were, will hire felons, but it's very slim list and it's very picky. And the number one way for felons to um, succeed when they get out is to start their own business. And so I found all of that information. I like basically created like a little class where I taught them how to fill out all the papers work do all that stuff well apparently all that information that I brought into the prison was considered contraband <laughs> because I didn't get it approved by a supervisor at first which I didn't think I had it was just outside research and it's not like it was insidious stuff you know I thought that was part of my job description was to help them succeed once they were out and to the office and was told that you know while we appreciate what a great job you do and you do such a great job um, you know we're glad that you want to help and you are helping but we don't want you to help too much Oh, then wow. I'm all, 
what does that even mean? You know, like, wow. okay, like understood. Yeah. And so I got a write up for bringing in contraband. Okay. And the thing is, is like, I'm an anarchist. So <laughs> me getting in trouble for helping somebody, I turned around and was like, mm, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do more. Yeah. <laughs> so it just went like, I mean, permission. I was literally like, correct. And so I ended up like sneaking other things into <laughs> prison. Like, <laughs> and stuff like that and like chin for them because I was just like screw it like I'm going to help these guys and then hang on you don't want me to do what what, what uh, I'm sorry we uh what uh can you repeat <laughs> you that said you wanted me to do oh it, it had just like I had finally realized that like you don't want me to do what you hired me to do like you just want me to placate fill out forms so you can get paid because the way that this particular company was set up, the whole, their whole feel was that it was for recovery, like rehabilitation. Like we're going to, you know, get them fixed. They take classes. That was the whole life skills portion. And it, they paid for the hours that those guys were in the seats, kind of like school does, you know, the public school system does already. So what ended up happening is I, they had like most classes were 40 hours. So once they completed their 40 hours, you know, I'd sign off of it, send it to admin, they get dropped class, they can move on, do whatever. Well, what I started noticing is guys weren't getting dropped off my rosters after they had completed their 40 hours. And the way prison works, you're supposed to be where it says you're supposed to be. So if you're on my list, you should be in my, and I had a truancy officer who would come by and check and see who wasn't in there. And I would tell him all the time, like he's completed his hours. He doesn't need to be in here. And they were like, but he's on the list. And so I started fighting with admin. Like, why aren't you dropping these guys off of my rosters? Like they're done and they're being punished and given tickets and all kinds of stuff because you're forcing them. To, and I'm not going to force them to come into my class. Like they've already completed what they're supposed to. It's not my job to punish them, you know? And I got pulled into the office again and was told that uh, this is how we get paid. You're going to make sure that those guys are in their 40 hours. And I was like, you know, I got into this, well, not the numbers. And my boss flat out said, well, then you're in the wrong business. And I was like, I think you're right. <laughs> and so I'd fudge numbers so that they could make more money off of these guys when they'd already completed what they needed to do. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that, you know, uh, to the outside person, that might be shocking, but um, honestly, I've had, really similar stories uh when it comes to just status quo shit um mm -hmm. like um we, we we aren't really interested in uh in helping people i i mentioned cit all the time mm -hmm. that it's just a check mark on the box um mm -hmm. it seems like what they uh what they did with you as a school teacher is more like a just a check mark on the box to say that hey look at us we're helping look at us we're doing something about these these inmates uh, you claim that uh, uh, lack of education leads to a higher recidivism rate. And so we're trying to teach these guys, but really they just want numbers on their books. They just want um, words on paper, names on lists, and just to show that they quote unquote did something with heavy quotations. Absolutely. hundred percent. Because even like, you know, they gave me quote unquote materials to teach my classes you know where I'm supposed to teach them about like heart disease and diabetes and STDs and half the time I didn't have any material like you open up the book and there's nothing in it 
And so I was like constantly complaining about that and then like asking for more training because then like they threw me into all these different classes that like I don't know how to teach, you know, how to be a dad. Like I'm not a dad, you know. So like I wanted more training and things like that. And they and so that's part of why I got into trouble initially going home and finding resources. And so I'm getting in trouble because I'm printing off material and bringing it into the prison about diabetes. Like, I'm not a medical doctor, so of course, and if you don't provide it for me, how else am I supposed to get it? And I literally got in trouble for education for inmates. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's super similar to uh, so that, um, just how the system works uh, where I am. Um, I, I kind of have, like, a, a program that I tried to start that was, uh, that was in prison, that was in the Department of Corrections in the state that I reside in. And uh, it was already being conducted in other, uh, in other facilities in the state. And I kind of tried to take their model and, and uh, adapt to my own facility. And um, they, uh, I got in trouble because uh, it, it's, it's similar. I got in trouble because I didn't bring it to the warden when I tried to visit a different facility on my day off. And that's my day off. Like, I, don't underst- I didn't understand why it was any of his business. It's personal time, yeah. Right, on personal time. Right. And so he got, he got butthurt. Him and uh, his other deputy wardens got butthurt because I was trying to set up a veterans program that would be helpful to people who served this country for, mm-hmm. you know, wars that they thought mm-hmm. that they were fighting for our freedom. As an anarchist, I know better now. And they, they, they could know right. better, but yeah. they were duped in, when they were 17 like I was. And so uh, I tried to help out these yeah. veterans. And um, just because I didn't go through the proper chain of command and make the proper people look good, it, it was kind of the same story. I got my hand slapped. Yep. Yep. No, it's, it was pretty bad. And uh, Were the inmates receptive of you? Oh, they le- well, that, I think that's actually part of the reason why I got into trouble because I kind of got a spotlight on me. Because the inmate classes, but you could also request specific teachers. And so I had guys coming into my classes, <laughs> like they were requesting and it just turned like, it was, they were suspicious at first because females working in a prison, we were scrutinized anyway, because we did have counselors and stuff that would sleep with inmates and things like oh, that. Yeah. And so like, I understood the scrutiny, but, and I was, you know, open door, I don't care. Cause I'm not doing anything wrong, you know, in my mind. Right. And, um, but then when you have all these inmates like flocking to and who knows what they like spoke about me on the yard and stuff because they'd make jokes like Miss Buckles runs this yard you know <laughs> and I'd be like I do because I'm teaching y'all how to live life but ta- I mean I would have guys that would be like I learned a new word today and I'm like that was talking about STDs but like okay <laughs> you know and I like would get them to engage and stuff like that and so my classes were fun and then I also didn't take any shit from them so like they couldn't bully me or push me in anything and so I kind of got like quote-unquote street cred from them and so like I they were very receptive to me I think that's part of why I got in trouble (laughs) like you're not supposed to be well liked and they even said like the inmates always put um they'd place bets on like how long you were gonna last because they're like if you care too much you're not gonna last they're like only people who don't give two shits make it here and I was like really like that doesn't make any sense and then like when I quit they're like we fucking knew it like (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah, sorry guys. Like I, I can't, like I got to a point where like I was selling my soul for a paycheck and I couldn't do that. Oh, I and it was such that. a large system. I'm not going to fight it. Yeah. Um, it's, so. it's kind of, it's to the people. That's why I stayed in the army as long as I did. And I'm, and unfortunately I'm still in for another six months, 
but um, it's, it's, it's the same thing as uh, you can change the system from the outside. And I learned that the hard way and now I suffer from it. Um, and so that mm-hmm. I, I'm glad, I, I'm glad that I learned it from the army so that I uh, didn't have to learn it with corrections because I, I knew that I couldn't change it from, from the outside. I knew that I couldn't work my way up the ranks to try to try to change things and um, try to change the outlooks on COs. Some of them have been doing it for so long. They don't know any other way other than the old ways of like, and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe some of their ways are better than how the new kids handle it. Um, and I'll get into that uh, in the uh, prison corruption story. But um, some of the old heads, they don't know how to change. And some of the new kids are being taught really, really horrible ways to handle shit um, that ruin people's right. lives. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of times, you know, from my, unfortunately, even with the quote unquote COs that were at my prison, they weren't. They weren't actual correctional DOJ. They were security guards. Like it literally said security guard on their little patch on their shirt. <laughs> they went through like a six week, you know, but they were just security guards, you know, and they did not get paid well and you could just see it. And so the ones that were there, it was like some of them was an ego boost. And so they fed off their ego and then having that power and control over these guys, like went to their head and they'd abuse it. And there's a couple guys um, that got their bell rung. <laughs> you know, one guy got his scalp split and stuff because he was talking to the wrong inmate and you know, that inmate's oh, in for a huge chunk and he'll, yeah, he'll take the ticket. He'll take the, you know, solitary. He doesn't care. It was satisfying enough to shut you up. And so, and just like, even right after I had, left six CEOs were arrested for selling methamphetamine to each other not even the inmates <laughs> they were selling it to each other and using and so you know it, it was just a hot mess all around yeah oh yeah we uh we just walked one out maybe two, uh, shit a month ago for selling to inmates and like i don't give yeah. a fuck about i don't give a fuck about drugs and such and blah 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 but I mean, these people are hiring COs with under the impression that they have a higher, quote unquote, higher moral caliber. Oh, sorry, I've been drinking. Right. Higher moral caliber. Right. And so yeah. uh, when they can't even pick and choose, you know, someone who, right. they, know, who they think won't be dirty, how can we expect right. they'll, uh, you know, check themselves? Absolutely. And they won't. Like, that's what we learn. You know, they don't. And, and even like between staff, there was like an adversarial relationship. Like, I, I guess you could call it like support staff and then, you know, security staff, like security staff did not like us and vice versa normally. And, you know, hindsight looking back, it's because the COs wanted to do whatever they wanted to do too, whether it was right or wrong or for the rules. And I'd have the inmates tell me all the time, like, they're no different than we are. They just didn't get caught. No, it's and very gang-oriented. they weren't wrong. Yeah. They weren't wrong. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, exactly. And I told them too. I was like, "Yeah, no, we're probably no different." I was just smart enough not to get caught. <laughs> that's the first thing they told us. Uh, that's the first thing they told us in orientation is that. Uh, I mean, it went in one ear and out the other. Like day day one, they said, "Hey, the only difference between y- you you guys and them is that you ran faster." Um, and then day two, Pretty they much. said, "You're better than them. They're not people." And so it was oh, like, geez. oh, shit, the lesson that from day one is just, just gone. Yeah. It's either that or they're telling you, you also don't mean anything. Yeah. Except you get to wear a cool costume when you go oh, to work. 
Oh, they, they yeah. definitely showed that with their actions. It, it's definitely uh, – they told us what they wanted to, and then they fucked us over uh, time and time mm-hmm. again to, to prove their mm-hmm. words meant nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. I actually felt safer in my classroom of 25 inmates than I did with the COs. Really? Uh, elaborate elaborate yeah. on how the COs treated you. So, again, there's like that weird suspicion kind of a thing and they totally treated the support staff like we were lesser than of course and um I had I had my own office and the way we were set up there's like dorms so there's 10 dorms on each yard with a 200 inmates in it so I was on a yard with 2,000 inmates and my office and classroom was in a dorm so like my office windows like looked out on the washers and dryers like I'd have inmates walking in the towels like going to their showers like I'm in where they live and so my off like I would take snacks and stuff into my office and my office, but I noticed that things started going missing and it was mostly food items, but cause we couldn't leave. You're stuck there all day. And so I just started noticing that like snacks were missing and supervisor because my concern isn't what's leaving my office. My concern is what's being put in my office because we would have regular searches and stuff. And I mean, they're checking ceiling tiles and things like that. And if there's anything found in my office, it's mine. They don't care if somebody planted it like it's mine I'm in trouble so my concern was that if somebody's getting my office what could they be stashing in there that I could be in trouble for? I don't care if they're stealing my pretzels you know <laughs> like I just don't want you to stash anything in there I went to my supervisor and she told me to go to the sergeant and so I sat down with him and you know I was like just heads up like I'm pretty sure stuff's being taken from my office I don't know how because it's a key you know and the exact words out of his mouth were Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if my COs were taking your snacks. And I was like, so you're okay with employee theft? And he just kind of looked at me. He didn't respond. He was just like total like shark eyed, like, eh. and I was like, wow, like, okay, like, sounds good. So then I went a different route and I knew that if you say enough, like inmates talk and they like gossip. And so I was just like venting one day in one of my classes, you know, kind of snacks are going missing and I didn't feel supported by the COs and I wasn't asking for help. I was just kind of putting it out there. And, um, a little bit later, like maybe a week or two, um, I was walking out of my office and some guy was walking up to me and he was like tore up. He had like fat black eye, big old fat lip. He was an inmate and he had put his head down and he was just like, I'm sorry, Miss Buckles. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know what that was about. Moving on, whatever, a couple days later, another inmate comes up to me. He's like, we took care of your problem. And I was like, thanks, what problem? And he was like, just, we took care of your problem. And I was like, okay, again, I forgot about the stupid pretzels, you know, I was past that. And um, later, another inmate had told me that the guy with the black eye was the one getting into my office and stealing. And he had somehow, while I was in class, I must not have like closed my office door all the way he had somehow made it so that it wouldn't lock like the little button thing. He like decompressed or something. So I'd shake the handle and it was, you know, locked, but it, yeah, of course. (laughs) And what had happened, they didn't beat him up for taking my snacks. They caught him getting into the CO stuff. And if they catch one guy, they get everybody in trouble. Every, the whole yard goes on lockdown. Right. That's what they do. And so they basically did like that group justice and, beat the shit out of him and in the middle of that he confessed to taking my stuff too okay and i was like sweet thanks for taking that out but at the same time i was like i 
put out that I had a problem and they took care of it, super silent, and really didn't ask for pats on the back and we were done. They're probably taking to pretzels. Yeah, it's, uh, it, <laughs> it kind of reminds like... me of a, a basic training. Like uh, whenever, whenever uh, my buddy got caught stealing uh, peanut butter from the chow hall, we all got smoked for it. We all like threw up until our drill sergeant got bored. But like yeah. whenever we caught someone stealing, we'd fucking sock party them in the middle of the night. Like we'd fucking for the, for those listeners who don't know what a sock party is, you, you put a you put a blanket put a over sock. someone and then you beat the shit out of them with uh, socks, uh, stuffed with soap, soap bars. And so it yeah. it, it it reminds Full me metal of, jackets. Yeah, we 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 stole it. We're not original. Full disclosure. <laughs> Soldiers have no creativity. <laughs> Big surprise. It's but, effective, uh, I guess. Yeah. So uh, uh, it reminded me a lot of that because um, uh, we had a, a wing that was uh, my my uh, my facility is basically one large housing unit uh, full of multiple wings. It's a spacious housing unit with its own rec yard, and so uh, one wing was uh, had a guy that was just a loudmouth. And uh, he would piss off all the COs, and they just they would fucking take care of it for us every now and then. And um, yeah. it was not okay because you know we have a job to do. And um, uh, I mean, at least for for me, uh, I was a bright. I was bright. I've always been bright eyed, bushy tailed. Like until I got red pilled. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a um, you know, I'm an agent of the state. I have to keep everyone safe, even if they've done heinous crimes. I'm not going to look up anyone's crime. Yeah. It, it's it, apparently it was just me who did this, but uh, I'm not going to look up anyone's crime. I'm not going to judge anyone for it. And I've got to protect everyone yeah. equally. So I would try to find out who did it. And everyone was kind of hushing me up. But anyways, uh, it, it, it's somewhat of a basic training mentality. And that just reminded me of that. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's because like, I was in a classroom of 25 inmates with a radio. I've, I had a couple of moments when I was doing stuff and I would just have that epiphany, like all it would take was two of them. You yeah. know, just yeah. clock me in the back of the head. It's like, you know, so I, just, I had those moments every so often, like, damn. So when I first started, my whole mentality was like, don't let him smell your fear. <laughs> right, like right. I walked that yard with my head high, to them like I didn't let them make me but I was like terrified the whole time like <laughs> you know? right but, you gotta but act I like didn't the feel protected there's totally and they believed it which works so <laughs> but like I had two in my dorm and 200 guys like they're you know we really know who's in charge here <laughs> like if they wanted to wreck your day they would and there was a riot you know several months after I quit like tearing toilets out of the walls during that and everything so like it was a very tentative piece in that place and I'd, I'd never felt safe because of the CEOs I safer because of the relationships I built with the inmates within there and I say relationships you know what I mean like oh, just that get it. working just, um... kind of a, a like respect like they do because I even like I wouldn't let them play games because I would always take roll call and stuff because part of it was more, did I really care if they showed up to class? Honestly, freaking no. But I'm also going to not let you play me and think that you're going to get away with stuff. So like it's when somebody would like sign his buddy back in after break or something. Yeah. And so they figured out pretty early on that like, don't mess with me because I will punch because you deserve it. Cause fuck you. But for the most part, like I would have days cause I don't 
I didn't want to do this. If I didn't have the material or the class was bullshit, like, I don't want to teach this class. Either. I want to sit here for two hours. So what I would do is I would just sit in silence and wait for everybody to sign in. And then sit down, I'd be like, okay, go. <laughs> and I would like, let them go. And then I would just do paperwork for two hours or whatever. And so one day an inmate, he was newer and he had come in and everybody's like settling down and I'm just letting them sign in. And this is bullshit. Like, why am I sitting here? Like, come on, why aren't we doing anything? And the one guy elbows him and he's like, dude, if you should shut And I was like, ah, you've learned, like, good boy. And so I kind of basically built a reputation on the yard to don't fuck with me. And that's what I wanted. (laughs) And so, like, I had a couple guys that would tell me things like, you know, Miss Buckles, like, we got your back. And I'd be like, thanks, but I don't need it. You know, but in my mind, I'm like, okay, good. (laughs) You know, because there were times that they were like pre-riot activity. You know, they start grouping. I don't know if that kind of stuff happened on... Oh yeah, guys' totally. yard, but like all the races would group together, and then the heads get together with the staff, and then they discuss whatever. And if the in if the heads of the races aren't happy, they're gonna riot. And the one time I experienced that, they were pre-rioting over bread rolls, which I understand because they took their bread rolls away, and some guys carb count, and they depend on that roll. Like I get it, but they were literally ready to riot over bread rolls, and the staff just gave them the rolls back, but like just the atmosphere and how it went and almost kind of how structured it was. I was actually super impressed. So well, it, it's, the a whole, one, it's a, like a microcosm of society. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. It's a, it's a, it's a small little community that you can just, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, if you, uh, if you don't have a problem with stealing from the, from the people and being paid with stolen money, it's a, it's a fascinating um, people watching experiment that uh you might involuntarily be a part of but uh it's it's (laughs) honestly just fascinating in my opinion it really was my ta was the runner for the blacks so he like the leader of the blacks was just some old dude who didn't want to talk to anybody anymore so like my ta was the one who would go and like dish out punishment which was just workouts like he'd be like I gotta go run some guys miss buckles and I'd be like okay go run some guys like whatever and like that would be their punishment they'd have to go do workouts and stuff and I always kind of found it neat so like if two guys had beef with each other and they're of separate races like a white guy and a black guy they had to go to their heads like they couldn't just duke it out that's a no-no because then everybody gets in trouble like they had to go to their heads discuss it their heads got together and decided if they were allowed to fight or not like that's crazy structure and then even with the whole thing with the guy that was stealing and they beat him up I had asked them about that way later like so you guys are willing to hold people accountable in here for stealing and like fighting and all that kind of stuff but it's okay to do that to Joe Blow citizen out on the street I was like "Hmm, honor among thieves huh like I'd give him shit all the time like it'd make him think a few times like why is it okay for you guys to be this honorable in here but not out there on the street well, I've asked them since like, like in the last couple months that I, that I knew that I just didn't give a fuck anymore. Um, and was just yeah. openly an anarchist in a government position until like I, my sergeants knew I was on expired time. I always talk to them like, Hey, this place should be torn the fuck down. Like all prisons should be just fucking demolished. This is a hell hole. But, uh, yeah. I ask inmates like, yeah. Hey man, you're a purse snatcher and you got like 20 years for this shit. Wouldn't you rather just have your fucking hand cut off? Like, non-aggression principle style and they're like dude fuck yeah i would totally and honestly if that was Mm -hmm. my that was the punishment that i knew that was probably coming for me or maybe like someone more hardcore would just shoot me 
I probably wouldn't have snatched that purse. And so uh, we we right. just that that was right. my proof right there. And there was multiple people saying that like, hey dude, if I knew that like stealing that SUV would get me killed or like my hand cut off, probably wouldn't have stole that SUV. Mm-hmm. And so that's just proof right, right. there. To me and any CO who was listening, and I've radicalized a lot of COs. I made it my personal nice. goal to like radicalize people while I was there since I was living off of Good, stolen yeah. money. That uh, it would may- be my right. personal goal to just like get as many people out of here as I possibly can. But they've told me yeah. that was my proof that, that my system, our system, a liberty system would be, you know, feasible. Right polite society because if you don't know who's willing to you know fuck your day up if you fuck with them like you're more likely to not fuck with people it's a, right it's a country full of gangsters it's, mm-hmm. yeah, right? <laughs> well that's like even now i've actually had some pretty good conversations with some status and some normies like because the whole conversation of like defund the police has come out and care yourself like what a novel concept to have to defend yourself and not call somebody else because you're calling the guy with the gun. That's why people call police. People call police because they know the good guy, quote unquote, with the guy with the gun is going to show up to intimidate right. whoever you're against. Right. So why don't you just do that yourself? Like just grow some balls and take care of yourself. And so I've had a few people like, yeah, no, that's, and I'm like, yeah, that's anarchy. Like, <laughs> Take care of yourself and you don't mess with people. Like the nap is super simple. Like we pretty sure that's the kind of stuff we're taught in kindergarten. Like, be nice be excellent to each other dudes like and the thing is is like there are gonna be bad people there are gonna be assholes and that's why i have the right to defend myself because everybody's like well what are you gonna do when you get raped and i was like uh now i get to kill that guy whereas before i had to call somebody and they had to come and they had to collect evidence and interview me and go through all this process we're like now motherfucker's dead works for me you know like all officers really do is show up and clean up you know if you're getting robbed it's already happened where's the prevention you know all the officer is going to do is like show up later and collect some evidence take your statement and leave you know not they're not there to protect you don't have a an obligation to protect you like we have those supreme court cases that prove that they have no obligation to protect you they're there to enforce laws not us yeah um how do you feel so you seem to not have much faith in the uh the thin silver line gang that's what uh that's what's so uh, to the listeners who are just who are tuning in uh the difference between corrections and foot foot patrol officers out on the streets they're the thin blue line and i guess we have our own it's the thin silver line um it's that in my opinion gay as fuck but like you know whatever um how do you feel about uh the thin silver line they uh did they uh you said they didn't make you feel good they didn't make you feel safe not in the slightest i got attitude from ceos all the time and i actually had one female ceo who always had it out for me and she get on to me about my clothes like she was super she's the one who found my paperwork in my folder and like she just scrutinized like every little thing and the one was kind of sheer you know, like see-through, but not super see-through, you know, and I had like a thick tank top underneath. Professional, and it wasn't, you know, I I knew what I was walking into. Like I wore loose slacks, like I wore flowing shirts, like I was trying not to like wore things. I know I'm walking into, uh, you know, 
space full of men who haven't really dealt with women in years. And I even had them tell me they could smell me when I hit the yard. Like, you know, so I was like, Ooh, so I was just very hyper aware of them Jesus. already. Your shirt see-through. And I was like, yeah, it's sheer. And she's like, I realize you work at a male prison. And I had been there for like six plus months. And I was all, yeah. And she's like, you can't, that's inappropriate. And I said, listen, I could show up in a full-blown parka smelling like a fish market and they'd all still want a piece of me. It doesn't matter what I wear. Then the male CEO standing next to her just kind of chuckled. And he was like, right. Oh, shit. <laughs> it doesn't oh. matter what I look like, you know? Fucking got so, it. So, <laughs> Cheetos. We could call them Cheetos. Gave first day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, and that, so I did, I just... There was distrust like all around, like the way they would, I never felt safe with them. Like, and not necessarily like physical safety, but like, again, they would be the first ones to throw you under the bus and get you infraction that you actually didn't do just because they don't like you. Right. So just, just, power to trip. Put, just to put it in perspective for you of how the state will target just the wrong people. When I started, I went to the academy with a teacher who was openly anti-Semitic, like, uh, yeah, uh, she was a uh, a black supremacist who was a um, what is it a she was a uh, a black Israelite and I and and uh, in this this uh, this podcast everyone knows that I have no no problem with black people. I went to a BLM protest and was not treated well within my own facility for it. But um, anyways, she was a black supremacist, black Israelite, and claimed that the Jews stole. Israel from the uh, rightful owners. And so I reported that this was when I first started and I still, I was like a hardcore Republican, believed in the state, state worshiper. Like, mm. yeah, I was even going to vote for Donnie, Donald Trump until I, uh, until I got red pilled. I got red pilled right before it happened. Thank God. But uh, I reported it. I was like, Hey, you know, I feel really concerned about the type of people that they're hiring for this facility. She's uh, openly saying that the Jews should be exterminated and in, in, in the academy with like the teachers present. So we should, we should probably do something about that. And they're like, Oh, it's fine. It's okay. Like as long as she just does her job, it's cool. Oh, okay. So they did not target that woman. And she was, uh, she actually ended up, um, I think she was like bringing drugs in and like sleeping with a, with a, uh, with an inmate. So they did not target that woman, but they did target you who just wanted to help out inmates. Got it. Cool. Um, yep. just, yep. just putting that into perspective. Yes. Yeah, I was the enemy because <laughs> I wasn't there to make them money. I was there to get guys out of prison and not come back. Right. That's what we call in the business yeah. a good talk. Mm-hmm. Well, and you can tell that, um, especially the one that I was in, like, I'm all the punishment. Like part of me was like, how do I get a freaking five year vacation from zero responsibility? Like they had TVs, they're shat. Like I was at a point in my life where I was still using like coin op washers and dryers. Right. And they had access to washers and dryers all the time. There was no pay for it. Like you had to buy your own soap and stuff, but at any time they could use, I'm like, I don't even have that luxury right now. (laughs) Right. You do. And just like all the amenities they got, like nine times out of 10, what they were complaining about, minus being in prison was just whiny stuff like I was like you guys are like whiny little boys and the one indicator for me that this was not a true punishment was I had guys that would come back on purpose because anytime oh, a guy yeah. was getting out I would get so excited you know like oh 
my God, like get out. And the one guy's like, no, I'll be back. And I was like, no, you're getting out of prison. Like you should probably stay out. And he was all, no, this is the first time. Like I've had my own TV. Like I get free hogs in a cot. Like I'm set. Three weeks later, he was back. He was just like punched out a window so he could like break his parole and get out. Like, come, I was like, oh my God. So yeah, if you could, want to yeah. be in here. So it's not that bad if you want to be in here. He could have just raped like, a kid. No he would have got less time. Facts, unfortunately. Yeah, seriously. If, if, to be honest, because that's my job now. I work in victim services with like detectives and stuff. And I, I will tell you one pedophile that you see getting any kind of justice system, anything, even just getting arrested, there's six that haven't, you know? So like, yeah, you're absolutely right there. there, Most of the guys that were in there though were like DUI and drugs. Oh yeah. That was a minimum yard. And I told my, uh, I told the, the, uh, the anarchist Snapchat of my state this, but, uh, they, the, this, it's not like TV where it's, uh, you find out someone's a chomo, you find out someone's a pedophile, and they get taken care of. It's, uh, they'll act all hard and shit, and they'll try to, like, act like, oh, that wasn't my charge, that wasn't my charge. And uh, unless someone calls them out for it, no one will know. And I try to call them out for it because, you know, I didn't give a fuck, and what are they going to do, fire me? I, I ended up quitting, and I did everything wrong. Uh, so, uh they, uh, I, I would call them out like, okay, you're a fucking chomo and you're acting all hard and shit. Cool. Got it. And I'd turn my back and see if anything happened more often yeah. than not. Nothing did. Sometimes right. it would thank God, but these people, they, they have a cushy fucking life. They'll rape a kid and they'll go there and, you know, maybe some of them will get stabbed if they have a high profile case. But, yeah. um, like my, I had a Sergeant from like a level five camp. I was a level one. I, I, uh, I always was a fucking softy at heart i wanted to help people and rehabilitate people at a minimum security camp but i had someone i had i had sergeants uh come from a level five maximum who because their prison got uh closed after a riot um they came Mm -hmm. and they were like hey that doesn't happen dude like the the, there's this chomo i can't remember his name i think his name was like devlin something but he got stabbed like five times with uh with a fucking like shit it was like it was a screwdriver from the maintenance shed uh mm, yeah and uh that he went for like all non-vital organs because he didn't want to get a new charge but he wanted the publicity of stabbing a high profile chomo so like these people don't take getting taken care of like you see no. on tv it's not a death sentence Correct. anymore no and i've told people that because of the way it worked on our yard you know these i was surprised at the way it communicated throughout the state like inmates will call inmates in other yards. Oh yeah. Like, and so they would know who was showing up on that bus before they got there. And as much as you weren't supposed to show, like find out why somebody was there, they demanded you show your papers. They want to know why you're there. And when it was a pedo or a rapist or something like that, you had two options. You either PC up now, protective custody, or you get beat up and then you PC up. So, and it wasn't, we're going to kill you. It was, we're going to beat you up and then you PC up. So guess what they all chose? They all PC up. Well, in our state, after you get put in protective custody three times, you get put on a protective custody yard, which is basically just a sex offender yard, and nobody there's going to hurt you because all the same. So right. they didn't. They all got their own cushy little yard to be weird perverts together. And the one time we had a 
a counselor, a teacher, someone like me assaulted, she stabbed with a pencil and raped. It was on the sex offender yard. And she was a sim- like, it was the same company. So it was the same scenario. All she had was a radio in that classroom. The, the yeah, fact that so. we don't drag these people out and execute them in the streets like a dog is just mm-hmm. astonishing to me. I tell detectives all the time when we are dealing with certain cases, I was like, you realize if this was my house, it would be a death investigation, right? I'm not waiting for you. Like, I see what you guys don't do. I'm not waiting for you. I'll, take, I'll do a cool five years in prison, no problem. No freaking problem, because now I see how it works. In female prisons, they're a little crazy, but I could handle it. Like, yeah. I would do five years, no problem. Because that's all you get when you murder a pedophile, to be honest. Like, yep. especially as like a parent or something, like half the time you get like a parade. So I would, I, and they, most of them kind of agree with me. Like they're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to kill him. I'm not going to let you get your justice because there will never be justice. Unfortunately, in my state, it's a little bit more severe. I had the pleasure of walking out a guy who spent 15 years for taking out the trash incorrectly. Um, I asked him, Hey man, why are you in here? He said, Oh, you know, I, uh, uh, he seemed very, very embarrassed by it. I, I was so sad that the system did this to him to shame him for doing things correctly. I said, oh man, I, I, I executed a chomo. I said, you execute a chomo and you're here. You've been doing 15 years here. You haven't said a fucking word to me and you execute a chomo. I almost shook that man's hand. If yeah. I wasn't, if I wasn't going to yeah, get exactly. High five, bro. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. 15 years yeah. for executing a fucking chomo like a fucking animal. I was so, I was ashamed of the system yeah. I worked for. I mean, I was already, I already felt shame, but man, I didn't think I could sink mm-hmm. lower. Right. Yeah, we don't, honestly, our society, as much as we like to pretend we do, we don't protect kids. Because if we truly cared about kids when the whole elite pedo ring came out we should have been protesting then and burning down buildings you know (laughs) why weren't we pitchforks and you know torches then because people don't care and we're we're fucking uh we have these people talking about it we're comfortable that's the that's the thing i talked to uh that's the key i talked to gorilla liberty about it i've talked to i've talked to ceos about it who get pissed whenever they uh whenever they're like you know what i did get duped um and we're comfortable right now and uh, mm-hmm. the fact that I still can turn on Netflix, the fact that I that my wife and I can still watch porn whenever we want, whenever she has Shark Week and I'm not feeling it, like whenever mm-hmm. I can order a pizza, nah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I have running water. I have electricity. We're not uncomfortable yeah. enough to march on Correct. the street and take what's ours. Yep. Agreed. And that's like, that's that bread and circuses. We're fat and happy and entertained. So... Yeah. Yeah, there's some kids out there getting raped. Like, Meh, I don't see it. It's not my kid. Everything's fine. You know, you go and, and vote I don't, for those people. <laughs> and I don't advocate for it. I certainly don't advocate for it. I, I'm happy right now. I'm a slave. We're all slaves. And we're crops yes. waiting to be harvested by farmer senator. But like, until it mm-hmm. gets on, unco- until it gets to the point where it's like, I don't have running water. I don't have electricity. I'm like, I will still advocate for a rollback of the state for, you know, I know that, I know that fucking Resi is going to give me shit for it because we just had a debate over resurrecting freedom, loving him to death. I will always yeah. love great Gramps and he's a good mentor of uh, Liberty for me, but, and, uh, but I will always advocate to like do as much as you can in order to one remain be- like not behind bars because as status quo says, you can't fight Liberty behind bars. 
but uh and two fight within the system that still exists now because i'm comfortable and until it becomes uncomfortable it's not time yet correct well my dad told me a long time ago he said that headbutting the system isn't going to get you anywhere he said it's much better to fuck it from the inside and that's kind of where I've been at. Like I have used it to my advantage. I try to live comfortably, take what I need to do, what I need to do without sacrificing my morals in as many ways as I can, you know? And that's why I say I advocate for that community level because most of the people I interact with, do, are, we are not on the same page politically, but I know for a fact if shit hit the fan, they'd feed me or I'd feed them or they'd take care of, you know, and that's more important. And then that's where you get those conversations. Like when you tell people like my political views, I'm like, yeah, my political views are don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. And they're like, oh, and you're like, yeah, that's called anarchy, assholes. Like, <laughs> you know, they're like, oh. And so when you're already soft and helpful and not out there, just like, fuck everything, you know, that you don't, you're not going to win quote unquote hearts and minds that way. Like you, and it's through example. So that's what I've done. I try to live my life by example. So like, when people, this is what I do. This is how I avoid these systems. This is how I work within them. Because now the working in victim services, nine times out of 10, I'm working outside the system. I'm working to keep these victims safe without the court system, without law enforcement, because they have shown to my victims and myself over and over again that they aren't there to support them. My joke is the criminal justice system is for the criminals because they're the ones who get the justice. And I can't prove it over and over. So... So let me, I, I try let, to tell people, like teach people how to be self-reliant. That's like the essence of, uh, of liberty is self-reliance. Mm-hmm. So that, me, and that's it. Personal accountability. Personal accountability, right. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Uh, so how do you feel about working within the, in the system and still, until it doesn't exist? I'll give you an example. Like uh, Rand Paul's trying to pass a bill uh, saying no more no-knock raids. Um, Mm-hmm. I I personally thought it was something to celebrate, but not to trust. And uh, mm-hmm. what and like what what do you think about Joe Jorgensen as like a viable vessel for liberty? So I just had this conversation with Don't Tax Me, Bro, because he still advocates for voting and things like that. And as much as I'm an anarchist, again, it's I don't believe in rulers, so I'm going to kind of do whatever I want in whatever way that works. So I have learned that a lot of local elections and state elections, your will count. And there are certain things that you can do in ways you can vote that could make small changes, but the big overall, like the presidential election, no. Presidents are selected, not elected. That is a whole giant monster that you are never, when you have career politicians, we're not changing it. That's something that you would have to completely wipe out and start clean. There's no way you can get rid of that good old boys club. The money's too deep, too thick, because it's not just the politicians, it's the corporation. But these small local ones, I know I can because I've seen the difference. And one of the ways I do advocate for voting is your prosecutors. 90% of prosecutors go on elections. And most people don't even know that their county attorneys, their county prosecutors are elected officials. And so when you have 90% and 70% of them are white males, like the it's rigged. So if you can get, so when I hear like liberty minded people going into law and things like that, I'm like, that's the way to do it. Like you can get into those because the county prosecutor is the one who determines charges, length of time in prison, you know, all of that stuff. So if we can, it's more liberty minded, that's where we could start to get that kind of, I don't want to say prison reform, but 
just changes. Because if we get guys not even being in prison, then they okay. And so well, those are small ways that I do advocate for voting and making changes. What is your okay? So I I I, know, I I've stated my my opinion on the existence of prisons like multiple times on multiple episodes. What mm -hmm. you, uh, shit? I I can't believe I didn't start with this. You've worked in a fucking prison. What is your opinion on prisons? No, they they don't work. They don't work because there's you know. For, obviously, from what I'm seeing, like guys were willing to come back, you know, and even for like the hardcore prisons, like jail and prison was designed originally to keep the dangerous people off the streets. And that actually changed in the 80s with the war on drugs. That's the reason why private prisons and the prison system bloated to begin with, because you had all these nonviolent offenders in for drug charges. And then it became the cash cow that it is today. I mean, from 1983 to 2016, because of the war on drugs, the inmate population went from 250,000 to 1.5 million. So, oh, and it's all drug charges. Yeah. So, like, it's got to start there with charges. You know, I mean, it would be nice to just start with laws, but that's so if we could get people into those positions that have similar mindsets, that's the place to start. Do I think like Jojo and all that? Yeah, that's great. That sounds nice. And if we could get more people to start having those conversations about her topics and preferences and stuff, that's well, like that's how to use her as a tool, like even getting her on the main stage. But unless she's her and any other party gets into the like national debate, don't tell me it works. Because when you're only given those two choices, don't tell me it works because it doesn't because it's money driven. But like I said, on the local levels, I can see where those changes can be made because I have seen them made. But like, that's it. So that's my prisons don't work. But there are ways that we can because if we part of its community, you know, a lot of the reasons why people join gangs and start doing drugs is the lack of family, the lack of, you know, that family unit. So they find it in something else. And the school system doesn't really help create good people anymore. They just want drone worker bees and, you know, even the entertainment and things like that. Like there's a whole bunch of factors with that. It's just that people are like funneled prisons now, almost from birth. Like it's like, you kind of know that that's where you're headed. And if we taught more again, if people just knew like not to mess with, just mess with each other and then took that personal accountability, like you said, like if I knew that the punishment was to lose a hand, I'm going to think twice. Like if I know if I fuck with this little lady that she might shoot me, probably not going to fuck with a little lady. You know, it's just that there are going to be evil people, but if more normies were allowed to take care of themselves and not rely on some system to hold people accountable for you, I think it would be a lot better off. It's funny. I talk. Cause I'm against capital punishment yeah. too. Are you? Yeah. But I guess the uh, I guess the murder the murder of people by the state is kind of a morally wrong. But if you Correct. kill someone in self defense, then like you know, it was self defense, and it's not the initiation of violence. Correct. Yeah. Uh, capital punishment is not self defense, and how I think the saying is like, how do I delegate a right I don't have to somebody else? That's fair. Like, how do I vote in a right that I don't have? So I'm not allowed to kill anybody. But if I if enough people say you can then you can. Damn, I've no. never thought of that. Yeah, that's not how that worked, man. You can't do that. So, like, yeah, you killed somebody and maybe it was, like, super heinous, but I, I think it was Boog Boy Radio. I talked to him about my view on how, like, law enforcement in prison would work in, like, a anarchist society, and it was 
again, it's like that personal side, like you hurt me, I get to defend myself or retaliate how I see fit. You know, if you hurt a child, that's to decide how they deal with you, you know, kind of more of that vigilante justice, like a little bit more of the wild west kind of, you take care of your own. You know, I get to, because there are people who are super forgiving and may not do anything to you, but then you have that reputation. Like I'm very big on reputation and a lot of anarchist societies are built on that. Like, yeah, you, you're allowed to be a total asshole, but nobody's going to work with you. Nobody's going to want to feed you, take care of you, give you their services, you know, and that's kind of where you learn. So yeah, good luck if making it. people know, yeah, if people know that you're a criminal asshole and you'll steal from them or you'll hurt them or their kid, like they're going to keep you on notice or they're going to do what they need to do. And, you know, it, if more people knew that the regular citizens could take care of themselves, less people would be doing what they're doing. Also, you know, I, I, I've had I, to talk parents down. Sorry, go. I was just gonna say, I've had to talk parents down from like purchasing plane tickets to go kill people that have hurt their children. Cause like, well, now it's seen as premeditated, you know, like now it's premeditated where if you had just like gotten on that plane right away, it could be like insanity. (laughs) It's premeditated. And, but I, but I tell them like, yeah, like I completely agree. Like your murderous rage is a completely appropriate like you, you should want to kill that person, and they should and be allowed honestly, to. I feel like you should have that right if that's agreed, agreed. Because right. again, like you know, I have certain spiritual beliefs, but like I've made up my mind, and I'll I'll tell my maker when it comes to that point. Like, you know, I'm gonna do what's right because now you're not gonna offend again. So, and like, uh, I'm so definitely I, more on the vigilante justice. <laughs> I had a I had a conversation with a CEO the other day. Um, they they talked about how they brought up a. Uh, like child abuse. I'm a Rothbardian, so I believe that children are property because like that's the only viable, in my opinion, the only viable and consistent way to like ground your child without them being able to legally like shoot you in the head for violating their property rights. But in my opinion, uh, it, uh, children are property until they can take care of themselves. And they told me like, okay, so what happens if you beat your child to death and that's that, you know, that's your property. So there it is. Well, okay, so what happens if uh, the community finds out and then they posse kill you? Uh, okay, so am I willing? So I, I know that my, my brother beat his child to death and then the town killed him. Am I really willing to mm-hmm. go and kill every single person in that town? Like, I mean, they'll fight back. Okay. I'll most surely die in that cause. And it will be justified in the eyes of the NAP. But like, am I willing to do that? Personally, no, because that guy is a piece of shit and deserved to die, even though that's his property. Um, Also, from Mm -hmm. a tactical perspective, fuck no, because I'll die, dude. Like, no, I'm not willing (laughs) to start a blood war over this. So, in my opinion, uh, mob takes care of all. Sure. Well, I mean... Yeah, that's, I mean, that's democracy, right? Group vote. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm Native American, too, and some of the older traditions in my tribe, when it came to, like, murder and stuff like that, is they left it up to the families. And, like, it would be, like, if they decided it was grievous enough that that person could kill the other person, the other family was not allowed to retaliate. Oof. So, like, if... Yeah, so, like, say somebody, like, raped or killed your child, and you decided that that person could be executed, the person being executed's family could not retaliate against your family. That's, that's fucking not Because, like, punishment was a... Right gr- there. 
Yeah, because your fan like it was agreed upon. This is their whatever. It was their right, so you you're not allowed to retaliate. Yeah. Fuck. Well, all right. You ready for the uh, my prison corruption story? Absolutely. I guess you can tell one too. After I'm done, we both worked in prison. But my prison corruption story. I'm coming right out of the gate. I told everyone that I worked with that I'm telling this as my first one. Um, a couple weeks back, I'd say maybe three weeks back, uh, there were officers that were conducting a search, and uh, they picked a random room, and there was an officer who searched a guy's property. He dumped all his stuff on his bed. Then he found this man's father's obituary, and he ripped it up to shreds, and then he poured laundry detergent on all of his stuff. And so this inmate found all his shit like covered in laundry detergent. And then he found his father's obituary shredded. It was the only thing he had left of his father. He was in prison when his father died. And he asked, he asked another officer, why, why, who did this? Why would they do this? And he said, it wasn't me. It was this guy. I'm not going to name this guy. Just, you know, yeah. I don't want to get sued. I don't know if I can get sued, but I don't want to be. Uh, so not anyways, worth the headache. he said, why did you do this? This was the only thing I had of my father left. And he said, well, it's well with my, within my rights. And so he went to the sergeant. The sergeant didn't do anything. No one has done anything. It's been three weeks now. Everyone in the facility knows about it. This guy's in task now for unrelated charges uh, based on hearsay. And I think he got his date pulled. But the only reason why he didn't beat the ever-living fuck out of, this guy, out of this officer was because he said, hey, or this, uh, the... I, the uh, probation officer said, hey, you have 30 days left in prison, and then you're out on the streets on probation. And so wow. this guy got his date pulled. This guy got his date taken away. I, if I was that officer, I would fucking dread this guy getting out of segregation. Mm -hmm. I would fucking yeah. dread it because this yeah. guy will beat the fuck out of him when he gets out. Right. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's that's on par he, i saw he that shredded stuff all this the guy's time. shit mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you saw this all the time it's like a power trip oh yeah. yeah the way that they would treat their stuff and like take things break things i mean i would see him write tickets for stupid shit like haircuts you know like it would be like a quarter inch out of you know i say regulation that's military talk but like i don't know what it was there at the prison but like you know it's very synonymous hygiene or whatever yeah, like hygiene or whatever. And so just the way they would punish them and like super petty, and, um, like humiliating, like when they would have to do knuckle checks because there was a fight. I don't know if you guys did knuckle checks. Like they'd all have to stand out and like show their hands and things like that. They'd make them all strip down to their boxers, which isn't allowed. You're not allowed to walk around the dorm with your boxers on. Right. And they would make them all strip down in their boxers. And half the time they do it, I was there. And so I wondered if they were like doing it because they knew it was like, in front of me and it was like an extra level of like humiliation for them right Fuck. I, had one, um, I had one guy come in and sit down and talk to me and he didn't want to report he just wanted to vent about it he was very adamant about not reporting because he was like they're going to retaliate here they ain't going to move me you know he's like but i got to talk to somebody about it and i trust you and basically like this one he was being sexually assaulted by a co and as much as I, you know, quote unquote mandated reporter, like I still respected this man because I understood the system. I understood how it worked. And he was absolutely right. He would be in more trouble. He would be punished in other ways. And like he was, the guy would always search him and like 
pull him into like the private room or whatever and like he never used like his penis but it was still like fingers and objects and all kinds of stuff like he was hurting him so jesus you know fuck. yeah yeah like that happened and again like i said the co's bringing stuff in and just how they treated people like it was a cesspool and also oh, another there was other there's case managers and they were some of the most corrupt so the case manager oh, is the hi. one who yeah so you know who i'm talking about case oh managers. Fuck yeah like, i do yeah, they're the ones who are filing the paperwork, helping you get out, get with your parole officer. They're the ones that you deal with right before you get out. And they would misfile paperwork, not file paperwork. Like, they would mess with these guys and keep them in for however long they felt like. Because it was really, once that case manager filed your paperwork, you were good to go. And if he didn't, and who's going to, who's the oversight for that? Nobody. Nobody cared. Oh man, we had a uh, we had a case manager, and I know that all the COs. I had a couple COs that I actually started the show with, and I know they're gonna have heart attacks when they hear this because it's an ongoing investigation, and I simply do not give a fuck. But we had a uh, a case manager who molested gay people. She believed she was like like a Christian what? radical, I think, but she would molest gay people. She would single them out, and we had a had a couple that were in her house, and she would single them out. And she would wear the, uh, one of these inmates came to me and he, he could, like talked about this and I had a uh, file. Hang on, Ellie. Sorry, doc wants to go out. Well, uh, we, I had to uh, file paperwork on this. I had to report it because of the uh, wow. prison, prison rape act. Yeah. Uh, Priya. Priya. Yeah. Priya is what mm-hmm. it's called. And anyways, uh, he told me when she wore a specific striped blue and white dress that, that they knew it was coming. And they would bring, oh, dang. yeah, she would bring them into her office and she'd cover the window and she'd, uh, she'd molest them and she'd be like, yeah, I'm going to turn you straight, boy. I'm going to turn you straight. And she would just like fucking molest them. And she kept doing that. And she ended up, uh, I think she quit and she got, uh, she got a lawsuit for about $200,000 for harassment from the states. Wow. So not only did she uh get away with it, she got money for it. Wow. Yeah. That's I, that like, that's that's like evil on a totally crazy level. Like it's the caliber of people the state hires. Much. Wow. And like and how long was she there? Oh know? shit. She was there for three, four years, I think. Wow. That's prolific. Like, so that whole time she's just abused. It's abuse. Like, that's fucking, abuse, you know, these man. people are paying their quote unquote debt to society. You know, like they don't need to be punished more. Like that was always my view. Like this is their punishment. One of you them know, was not... there for tax evasion, which is, which is something yeah! that any Liberty guy can get. Any yes. of, any of you listeners out there yep. who are hearing yep. this, you can get caught for tax evasion because yes. I know some of you aren't paying your fucking taxes. And yeah, end up like this fucking guy who's just who was raped. And who's to say next time it won't be a, a female case manager? It might be a male CO. You might Correct. be getting fucking raped for it. Yep. Yep. That's yep. That's what I said. A lot of my guys were in there for drugs, which was like weed and all that kind of stuff. Like, really? A little plant makes you sleepy, hungry, happy? Like, come on, guys. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fucking wrong. So yeah and that was we had like i said we had counselors and stuff that would sleep with inmates and i was like that is a power thing like that's crazy 
Like, I mean, I would talk shit to them because, you know, of course, CEOs would be like, oh, what's up, Miss Buckles? And I'd be like, yeah, I don't go to the junkyard to buy a new car. <laughs> so I squashed that pretty quick. But, you know, there was. And so I understood the reputation. But then you hear things like that. That's grievous. Like that woman was a predator. Oh, for sure. And she's the worst kind of predator because she thought she was doing good. But it happens all the time. <laughs> it happens all the time. And even more so, like, in female prisons with male. Oh, for sure. You know, because... And don't get yeah, me wrong. Some of, just had a, some of the uh, some of the inmates know what they're doing. Some of them are are, tar- are like target people, but like you know, a hundred percent. But that's we keep they them alive, and they know. Yeah, exactly. It's a survival instinct, really. Yeah, like they know they can play the system better if they get him to do whatever they want by letting him do whatever he wants. I like, and uh, that's probably how they grew up. On the flip side, we had a uh, like just so that so just so that the listeners don't think that I'm just like some hug a thug who's like, Oh, everyone in there is innocent. No, oh, we God, had a, no. we had a violent rapist in my facility who was uh, having sex with a CO. And she thought that he was, uh, he was the sweetest boy ever. And he, she did, never looked up what he was in there for. And he was like a violent fucking rapist and they were having sex all the time consensually. So like oh. this, th- it goes both ways. You'll have fucking predators mm-hmm. on both sides. Yes. And yes. we keep we keep them both alive. Like mm-hmm. that fucking case manager should have been drugged into the street and fucking executed. That mm-hmm. fucking inmate who was a violent rapist, well before he reached those walls, should have been drugged into the street and fucking executed mm-hmm. by the victim. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, Miss Buckles. Yeah. No, we had guys. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm all about their right. Like I said, murderous rage sometimes is appropriate. I'm okay with political violence on certain levels. <laughs> and, uh, but I agree. Like we shouldn't have even, you shouldn't have even gotten into that walk through the door, you know? And, but what are you going to do there? That's, that's a stomach issue, but agreed, agreed, agreed. And some of the guys, that's what I learned though, is that some of the guys that were in there as much as as a minimum yard, what they were in for is not all that they've done. That's just what they got caught for. Oh, fuck no. So, like, I worked with murderers who got away with murder. They're like, oh, I, yeah, I've killed people. You know, gang shit, whatever, because they're just on a drug charge. You know, yep. conspiracy was a big one, conspiracy to sale and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I had a guy that just, like, would – he and his guys, his boys, he called them, would basically just go out and shoot people. No reason. He's like, I could have killed more people than I even have on – my tally because Jesus. I would just shoot people. Yeah. And he was just in for a drug charge. So he's on a minimum yard, only has five years, and he's going to get out and he's a multiple murderer. But the way that some of the laws are, I can't go and be like, you know, this motherfucker's killed people because he, you can't get in trouble for confessing crimes when you're in. It's, you know, I forget what that rule is. But uh, yeah, like I work with those kinds of people and they're just like, yeah, meh. like no value on human life. And so, yeah, not like you said, we're not hug-a-thugs here. Like, they all deserve whatever. Like, some of them needed to be, like, you know, drawn and quartered. So oh, for sure. I had one guy. He'd always talk about his – he was a pimp. And so he'd always talk about the girls in his stable. That's what he called it, his stable. And one day he was bragging, and he was like – he's like, yeah, he's like, I never had anybody under 14 in my stable. He was like, you know, I had class. And I was like, 14, under 14? you want a pat on the back because you didn't put children what like I was like you're disgusting and so I ended up having like the whole class just rag on him like you're a pedophile piece of shit I don't care if they're 15 like 
their children, like get out of here. But then I ended up, it was pretty good. The way I ended up getting him to drop my class, because I couldn't stand him anyway. He was so gross. And every conversation devolved oh, shit. talking about pimping. And I'm not, and I'm not against sex work. Okay. I'm against violence and forced drug use and abuse and, you know, stealing their money and things like that. If you want to do sex work and you want a manager who's like schedules your appointments and things like that, that's fine. Be, call it a pimp for tradition's sake. I don't care. But, you know, the violence and stuff like that, the power and control, that was my issue with sex work and pimps. So, and he of course is like the worst of the worst. And he always had really long fingernails, which grossed me out. And I'm talking like long, like lady, like I don't even keep my nails long. And he like, his nails were sick. And I was lamenting that I had, um, my tire had gone flat. And when I got on the night before I had gone out from work and my tire was flat. So I'm in the parking lot of the prison changing my tire. Do you know how many COs drove by? Totally saw what I was doing and just left me there. Like oh, not a I, single person helped. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised yeah. in the slightest. Yeah, me neither. So like I changed my tire whatever. So I was just like lamenting to them about how shitty it was to have to change my tire in, you know, 100 degree weather. And um, the guy was like, he's like, oh, I've never had to change my tire. He's like, I just let my bitches do it. And I was like, oh, why? I was like, you didn't want to break a nail? Fuck. God. And the whole class just lost it and was like, yeah, you dirty motherfucker. Like, you're too prissy. You don't want to break a nail. Like, you got to have your bitches change your tires. You're like, they're more manly than you are. And they just razzed him out of my class. He just got up and left. Oh, and he dropped it like two days later. There's totally a hierarchy. I had, uh, I overheard some, uh, some inmates maybe like a month ago. Uh, they were bitching about this one guy that they had to work with in the, in the uh, chow hall. And he was talking about like, all these fucking chomos, they should all be fucking killed. They should all be fucking drawn out in the yard and fucking murdered, blah, blah, blah. And they were, they were uh, annoyed because he was a – they call him a weirdo. A weirdo in prison means that you're, you're in violation of a, a, a sex crime. And he was, a mm. violent, he was a violent rapist. It says it on his face sheet that he was a violent rapist. And they yeah. were annoyed because they're like, bitch, you're the fucking same as them. Like, I don't know why you're talking. Right. Like, you don't get to say. You deserve to be drawn and quartered, too. Like, you're just as bad, except, what, you didn't do children? Like, you still chose a weaker population, asshole. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah. dude. <laughs> exactly. Pat on the back. <laughs> you're less of a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> You wait until they're 18. Good job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, we had that all the time. Yeah. That's well, crazy. I, I, I really appreciate you having – or uh, – coming on my show it's an honor uh would you like to say anything to the audience before you sign off um just thanks again for having me on and like you can follow me on instagram and twitter at, at miss underscore buckles and then also follow the e-militia right listen to them they're uh way better than me if you don't listen to them and you also listen to me you're making a horrible mistake uh you should be well rounded and listen to all the podcasts that's right okay yeah. Miss Buckles, it was a pleasure. Thank you for coming on my show. Much love. And to the rest of the Flintlock faction, thank you for listening, all nine of you. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Be like Lord.